Hi, everyone. Welcome to a bonus episode of Season 7 of The Build Podcast. I'm Devin McDonald, a partner here at OpenView. I recently had the chance to chat with Helen Min, former head of marketing at Plaid. In my conversation with her, she shared information about what marketing should look like in a PLG company, characteristics of strong product-led growth marketers, and why you should be investing in product marketing as a function. Now, on with the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Devin McDonald, a partner at OpenView, and I'm very excited to have Helen Min on the Build podcast today. Helen most recently was a head of marketing at Plaid and has had an incredibly successful career in the the software and B2B2B space as a, a leading marketer working for brands that we all know and love like Dropbox and Facebook and Quora. So, so excited to have you here with us today. I really want to dig into your marketing career, best practices that you can share for rising star marketing leaders so that hopefully they can have some of the same success that you've had to date. To kick things off, let's talk a little bit about you and your background. Sure thing. Well, first, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So yeah, I was working in advertising for a few years, worked at Young and Rubicam and then a smaller shop called Venables Bell and Partners and working on the Audi of America account. So I think if you work in advertising and at a young age, if you get to work on, you know, two Super Bowl commercials, you sort of hit the holy grail. And so really hard, I think, um, even looking back to really, you know, think that I would be doing anything different today in my career. But in 2008, there was, you know, there was the recession in the summer. I think we saw a lot of consumers' trends change. Uh, the iPhone came out the year before, and 2008 is really a special year for a lot of consumer internet companies like Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, where that was kind of the hockey stick growth, and mobile really drove a lot mm-hmm. of that. And so I think for, you know, traditional marketers, they're really looking at sort of their channels, right? And they're reevaluating like how they get on the sort of digital bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really interesting time to join Facebook as one of their first product marketing managers on the brand side. Mm. So um, I got recruited to what did Facebook look like at that point in time. It was 600 people, mostly engineering. Wow. And it was super fun because we there wasn't one campus or one building. It was sort of scattered all around uh, downtown Palo Alto. So, you know, it felt very college because it was so close to Stanford. And also um, we had this sort of joke about passing periods. So so meetings would again end at like 50 or 10 to the hour, and then they'd give you like 10 minutes to like run to the next meeting. Oh, that's so awesome. funny. So it was, <laughs> it was <laughs> I super heard fun. That in the world, but yeah, I yeah that. but I think, you know, essentially my job, what I was recruited to do was to sell Facebook and the idea that you can do brand advertising online back to my former self mm-hmm. at agencies. So that really kickstarted my career in tech and, you know, it's been 11 years. And so I spent about five and a half years at Facebook, worked at Dropbox, mm-hmm. I worked at Quora, uh, the question and answer site. And then most recently I was working at Plaid. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. And tell us a little bit about Plaid because I know it's one of those brands that's becoming very, very popular and everyone says, huh, I've heard of them before. I know they're doing really well and I know it's related to payments and, and financing, but high level, what does Plaid do? For sure. So, you know, I think it's incredible when an infrastructure company um, like Plaid really gets like their name out there. But we think of ourselves or we thought of ourselves as um, kind of like AWS of financial services. And so what I mean by that is they are connecting users' bank accounts with apps that they love. So Venmo, Robinhood, Coinbase, Betterment, Wealthfront, like all these exciting fintech apps that have really grown very quickly over the last couple of years with the growth of, I think, fintech and just people getting used to you know managing their money at their fingertips on their phone. Plaid's really enabled a lot of that. So starting with the checking account, 
and connecting that to sort of like the things that you want to do with your money. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Plaid is an API company. They're Mm -hmm. securely, you know, facilitating the the transfer, the connection between user's bank account and an application. Got it. So we're starting to see a lot more B2B use cases where, you know, whether it's an employee to, you know, the business or something like that, or, or true B2B facilitating a lot more. So at OpenView, we've been talking a lot about, I know you and I have had conversations about this in the past, this whole concept of product-led growth. And this is something that's really just kind of your day-to-day, right? I mean, you have sort of grown up in product-led businesses. Product-led growth to us and how we're kind of thinking about it, trying to put some like words around it, is when your product is really the primary driver of customer acquisition, and retention, and expansion. Would love to hear just like your take on that whole concept. Again, you've been living in it. A lot of businesses out there don't have this go-to-market strategy. They want to have this go-to-market strategy because they want to be like businesses like Dropbox and Plaid where, you know, the growth is just really off the charts. And if you look at sort of like the capital being spent to sustain that growth, it's quite staggering. So again, we'd love to just hear your take on product-led growth and just how it impacts like a marketing organization. Sure thing. So the way I think about product-led growth is actually like almost cultural. So, you know, in the Valley, there are a lot of startups and a lot of these entrepreneurs, they are technical by nature. They're software engineers, you know, they're the ones who are, um, they're CEOs and founders, but they're also the ones who've, you know, built the product themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think over time, when you look at the founding team and sort of the first people that they bring in on, everybody's very technical. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if they're able to hit product market fit through the product alone, right, marketing becomes a function or, you know, like sort of a, an add on Mm -hmm. later on when you're starting to think about how do you scale organic growth? Mm -hmm. How do you, you know, support and enable a sales team, you know, Mm -hmm. investing in that. So the way I've thought about it is like, you know, marketing is very, very important, but I think for these companies that I've worked for, I think of them as product and engineering centric companies. Mm -hmm. If you take Facebook, for example, Mark Zuckerberg is actually like the most powerful PM at mm-hmm. Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. He's making product decisions. Um, and he has, I think, from the very beginning, and he is a software should engineer. probably update his LinkedIn profile. PM, <laughs> if Facebook right. makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. I wonder if he's tagged that as a... <laughs> and so I think, you know, with Facebook's success, you saw a lot of entrepreneurs also sort of follow that model where, mm-hmm. you know, you don't build a product and then quickly hire a sales and marketing team to get that product out there and mm-hmm. get people, you know, understand the product. You build the product and you figure out how to seed it and get people using it and then have it spread, you know, virally and sort of like using the product levers to really grow the user base. So what I think about product-led growth is, you know, one, I mean, the short answer is I don't think about it because yeah. that's like the only world that I know. But I think, you know, where I've spent a lot of time thinking in the last couple of years, especially as I've been leading marketing teams and leading marketing functions, is what is the role of marketing Mm -hmm. at a product-led growth company? Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, happy to to dive into that. Yeah, I would love to hear about that. And I would love to hear about just kind of like, what are the characteristics of what can make a marketer a very good marketer within a product-led business? Because I do feel like there's an interesting dynamic if I look into even like OpenView's portfolio company, and I look at the marketing leader of a business that's more sales-led Versus the marketing leader that's in a more sort of like product led, product first, you know, sales comes later in that buying process when account sort of has grown to a certain point where there's a number of users and an enterprise sort of like deal, quote unquote, makes sense. So I would love to hear about like the characteristics of the strong product led growth marketer. Yep. So I think without dismissing the importance of brand marketing, because I think marketing organizations at product-led companies is really on them to be stewards of the brand and establish brand guidelines and make sure that, you know, like that's kind of the North Star that even the product roadmap should be like sort of, you know, aspiring towards. So I think that 
putting that aside, mm-hmm. generally speaking, like the most simplistic way I'd think about it is like the areas that marketing can add the most value at product-led companies, it's like mid to bottom funnel. Mm-hmm. And so first is, you know, I believe product marketing as a function is important at any company, mm-hmm. but especially at product-led companies, because you have to really understand the mechanics of how the user is interfacing with the product so you know where your leverage is. Mm-hmm. So I think getting really deep into the product and understanding what space is available to even like speak to the user. Mm-hmm. So I think this has traditionally been a function of or a responsibility within the product management organization. Mm-hmm. I think product marketing managers, you know, they really, really have to get deep on the product itself. And the second area that the product marketing managers can make a really great impact is understanding customer marketing. Mm-hmm. So if growth is happening organically, you know, by word of mouth or through sharing or something in the product, and that's how the product is growing. Mm-hmm. Really understanding, you know, what behavior is driving that, you know, what messaging is encouraging people to act or take action. So I think investing a lot of time in understanding like the behaviors of the customers. And then third is focusing on really amplifying the stories of what's working well. So mm-hmm. I think investing in, okay, if this is growing virally, right? Why? Mm-hmm. And how do we sort of tell that story at scale? Mm-hmm. And that will, I think, one, sort of connect the dots between other users and help them figure out like, oh, yeah, I should onboard my whole team onto this. Or, oh, yes, there is this use case that I think that I could bring in you know, these other folks in the organization to start using this product or you know, these other folks in my network to start using this product if it's not a B2B product. So I, I think like thinking a little bit more about like what are your levers that aren't like super top of funnel awareness mm-hmm is kind of, I think, the biggest difference between like the primary activities of a marketing organization within a product-led growth company versus, I think, a, you know, sales or marketing-led growth. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Actually, it's a really good you know, piece of advice for product-led businesses that are thinking about hiring like their first marketer, someone who maybe does have more of a product marketing background as opposed to some other sort of facet of marketing could end up being a really good fit. Obviously, there's a lot more things to assess than that, but it's a really good sort of thing to keep in mind as you're interviewing. For sure. So this question kind of goes hand in hand with the last question, but it's kind of like if you were to be speaking to a founder today who is hiring his or her first head of marketing, and that marketing's, uh, head of marketing leader's coming into the job, where do you begin? Great question. And I've been in that situation. So I think going back to, I'm just a huge fan of product marketing. I think, you know, early on, they're going to be an athlete and they're going to really get, they're going to be able to go really deep with the product and almost they should pair with the product manager and almost be able to be interchangeable in a lot of situations. So I think investing in product marketing as a function and making sure that there's alignment and support for that across the organization would be a big priority. So other than like, you know, building the team and sort of establishing, you know, what activities marketing will be responsible for and and how they'll work with the rest of the organization. I'm a big believer in investing in like infrastructure in the beginning. And so what I mean by infrastructure is, you know, asking the questions of one, you know, do you trust the data? Where mm-hmm. do you get the data? Mm-hmm. And if you're expecting the marketing organization to scale and really make an impact over time, they have to understand what's working very quickly. And so I think, you know, things that I've done in the past have been just making investments and in figuring out like, how do you build a data-driven marketing practice from day one? Mm-hmm. So whether that's instilling a culture of like, Having dashboards, the same way a product team would be monitoring the health of the product. I would. Does it almost mirror what the product team is is doing? It's it's mirroring or it's monitoring the health of the channels. Mm -hmm. So, like daily visits, you know, conversions from visitor to, you know, sign up, where are they spending time Mm -hmm. uh, on the site, but also like with the product. So, it's like 
getting that knowledge right away and then making sure that the organization is also their understanding of kind of the knowledge that you're gaining from that data. And so I think like the most important thing and the things to invest in early on is just, is everybody singing from the same song sheet? And mm-hmm. already people have very different ideas of what marketing's priorities should be. Mm-hmm. Being the first marketing hire is very challenging. Um, I think marketing is generally challenging, um, but at product-led organizations, because it's typically, it can often be one of the last functions to be added. Mm-hmm. People have, depending on where you sit in the organization, just very uh, different ideas of what the priority should be. So I think mm-hmm. a, spending a lot of time on like, what do we collectively as a company believe the marketing priorities should be and getting that alignment is super important. So at Plaid, you were marketing to developers, right? I'd love to hear about that because that could be challenging. We have companies in our portfolio like Datadog, for instance, where that's their primary target audience, those that are the developers or in DevOps. So I'd love to hear about the journey there, the learning there, and just some best practices. For sure. Um, so I love marketing developers. I've learned a ton at Plaid um, and, and actually other companies where we had more of a platform offering as well. I'd say that, you know, first, there is no silver bullet to doing mass developer acquisition at scale. It's not like you run a bunch of ads and developers are going to click on them and start using your product. So I'd say that there are a couple of things that make marketing developers unique. The first is content. So the, from a content perspective, you know, developers, they are incredibly resourceful. They're smart. They're skeptical by nature. You know, they've been successful in their careers because they've been, you know, sort of poking the holes and figuring out whether things work for themselves versus mm-hmm. just believing, you know, what they read or, or hear. So I think, um, from a marketing perspective, your tone really should be about like show, not tell. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, from a product perspective or a conversion perspective, just removing the barriers to getting, developers just like their hands on the product and using it quickly and mm-hmm. so that they can really see it for themselves. So I think, you know, for to use Plaid as an example, it's just on the website, the conversion point is just download API keys, right? So it's not like us selling you a bunch of features on why you should, you know, use Plaid and all the benefits. It's just getting it in their hands as fast as possible. So I think from a content perspective, it's like taking that tone that's very direct and not salesy and, you know, what we always say is show, not tell. From a channel perspective, again, you know, developers are resourceful. They're going to be using Google. So like, mm-hmm. um, you know, searching things on their own. So I think being where they spend time is super important. So, you know, obviously building an SEO strategy, but also spending time on the forums where they might hang out and, you know, ask other developers for recommendations or sort of passively sort of read, you know, what other developers are saying about a product. So, uh, you know, we've spent time figuring out how do we, develop content that's going to be trending on Hacker News mm-hmm. or something that's going to be really central in a discussion that's trending on like Reddit, hopefully favorably. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sort of like investing a lot in the channels where they hang out versus like traditional advertising. And then I think third, and you'll see this in a lot of company strategies that have been really successful, I think with developers is building community marketing. So you know, developers, they can be incredible evangelists of your brand and your company. And so I think it's making sure that, you know, they love you. And sometimes making a community happy means that you don't do things that are directly related to your product. So, Mm -hmm. and Stripe does a really incredible job about doing this where they'll launch just features and small things that like developers will love, Mm -hmm. whether or not it's directly related to like their business. And so I think um, creating an active community of developers who are just like really interested in your brand, I think is, is super important because a developer might be working for one company, you know, that year. And then the next company, they'll have a really relevant use case or Mm -hmm. need for your product. And so I think just investing in community, even if you don't see the immediate ROI is something that I think a lot of developer brands do well. So smart. 
Yeah, I'm curious to understand the composition of your marketing team. I mean, did you have folks on the team with developer DNA to really kind of be able to get inside the heads of developers and how they think about things if you have your own sort of folks that are creating content or campaigns, et cetera? I think this can work many different ways. So if you have marketers who have maybe come through their own experience where maybe they had some technical experience earlier in their career, or maybe they were a CS major or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I think that's fantastic. It helps, you know, I think build credibility, not only within the organization, right. But also in the way that they speak and the way that they write, it can work just through a partnership. Usually developer relations either sits within marketing or adjacent to marketing. And so having sort of like uh, dependencies and making sure that DevRel is really involved Mm -hmm. in a lot of the, the content creation and really, you know, contributing to a lot of like the content ideas, mm-hmm. the channel ideas and you know, event ideas. And just really having like a nice active dialogue is super important. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of businesses now with developer relations uh, organizations. And you said it sits maybe adjacent to marketing. I've seen it sit within engineering. Yeah, I was going to ask, where do you take it? I've seen it sit, you know, in some cases like by itself. Yeah. Reporting up to. Yeah, the CEO in some yeah. cases. Yeah. I know Twilio uh, at one point, you know, they had, uh, I think they were called Dev Angels. Mm. That was a really big and, you know, sort of developer relations, developer evangelist group. And yeah, they were reporting directly up, I think, um, to leadership. And so I think, you know, it can be configured any which way, but mm-hmm. I think the marketing is really strengthened when um, there's a strong partnership with people who really understand the audience and mm-hmm. no better way to understand the audience than actually be a member of the audience. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about something that's maybe a little bit more uncomfortable, <laughs> idea of failure. Sure. Because as we know, I mean, everyone fails. And in marketing, a lot of times it's great to fail because you learn from your mistakes. And if you're not failing, you're probably not experimenting enough. And that's the name of the game. So I'd love to hear about some failures that perhaps you've had where you've learned from those failures. Sure. So I think, you know, let's go back to the topic of, you know, companies that are product-led. I think what I said about marketing being one of the last functions to be added that's almost like an ethos that I've adopted. Like, okay, marketing, I don't want to call it an afterthought, but it was just, it's later stage, right, for the company in terms of growth. And so I think, you know, that means that there hasn't been somebody consistently the whole time during the company's history sort of advocating for marketing or really defining what marketing should look like at that company until now. And so I think like where I've gone back and forth, kind of like, when do I push really hard? Mm -hmm. When do I say, okay, this is not, the time mm-hmm. to push has been, I think, with hiring. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, I've all the companies that I've worked for have had a fairly um, like democratic process in terms mm-hmm. of um, getting candidates through. And, you know, it's a very much, you know, especially product marketing, because it's such a cross functional role. Yeah, right. You'll have a very diverse panel. You'll have it's very, very cross functional, and everybody's looking for something different. Mm-hmm. And so I think times where I've felt like, oh, you know, marketing as a function could be stronger right now is frankly not meeting headcount goals. Mm -hmm. And so then you can pinpoint back to, I should have pushed for that candidate a little bit harder because, you know, I knew they would be successful in this organization, but this person didn't, you know, really see eye to eye. And, um, you know, times that I've looked back and said, like, I should have fought harder, um, advocated for candidates I thought would be successful because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if you're the head of marketing, like you've done this job before and you've mm-hmm. been a part of marketing organizations for a long time. And I think that you shouldn't undervalue sort of 
what you know, right? Yeah. And so sometimes, sometimes you're being accommodating to like, okay, well, this isn't a marketing-led organization, so mm-hmm. I don't really want to push too hard. But mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, you need to build your team. You need to build your team alongside the growth of the product mm-hmm. organization, and you need to build your team alongside the growth of the sales organization. Mm-hmm. And so I think... T- and if you have data, if you're data-driven from the start, then you can use data as a way to sort of demonstrate that you need more headcount or what specific headcount you need based on what the data says. For sure. It's so simple, um, right? <laughs> <laughs> so simple, so simple. Um, yeah, so I think times have been maybe too selective or I felt the panel was too selective. I think with marketing, as long as you set a very clear set of metrics, success metrics and objectives over whatever time period, you can manage performance pretty clearly. And so I think taking more risk in the hiring process and also you know, making sure that people are set up to succeed or that they're really clear you know, what their responsibilities are can actually decrease the risk of bringing in, you know, people that, you know, everybody's not super sure of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, you got to build the team and alongside the business. So you've now given some advice based on the quote unquote failures. What is the best advice that you've received? I'm sure you've had a number of mentors over the years, but I'd love to hear a little bit more around, you know, what they've encouraged you to do or not do. So the best uh, advice I've received it's actually advice that can be applied to so many things. And it, um, so it sounds really generic, but it's uh, you can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is I think it's super relevant for marketing um, because marketing is truly a horizontal function. You are, there are aspects of marketing where marketing is really leading. So I think like with regard to the brand, right, really defining the values, where the brand should be going and, you know, how the brand should manifest itself and really be experienced by users. But then there's a really strong enablement function that marketing plays, right? So marketing enables sales, marketing enables customer success, marketing enables product launches and all of these things. And so um, at any given moment, you know, in a lot of tech companies now, marketing is also responsible for employer brand, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think like when you think about how really horizontal the function is and how many internal clients and external audiences that marketing is solving, you very quickly can get into a scenario where you're like an inch deep and a mile wide. Mm-hmm. And so I think that prioritization and figuring out how you're going to, you know, staff and also resource and, you know, prioritize like big initiatives with regard to budget is super, super important. And mm-hmm. that you're aligned with, I think, what, you know, leadership wants to see from marketing that time. So yeah. again, like it's really just ruthlessly prioritized. It almost seems a little counterintuitive, right? Because you're like, but I want to build something great. And you assume, well, I have to do so much. But I think the whole concept of like focus on the few things that matter and that focus will lead to impact. I mean, we're definitely believers of that at OpenView. We encourage our investments to, to think that way. But it can be difficult at times, right? Yep. There are Especially always when everyone in the organization is coming to you and for asking sure. for help. So it's, that's really good advice. How do you prioritize though? Like, have you found some system? Is there something that you sort of factor into that thought process? So I think it really comes down to, and I keep saying this, but it's alignment and support from, you know, your founders or CEO that there are going to be some trade-offs with the whole like ruthless prioritization approach. It means that some client groups, like just, they're not going to be a priority maybe for a year, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if marketing is just starting out. And so I think the the fastest way to fail, the fastest way for a marketing leader to fail, a new marketing leader and a new team to fail is just to overcommit and take on too many audiences and too many initiatives at once, Mm -hmm. a team that's frankly just forming. So I think the things that I would really focus on is like, okay, where is the area that marketing can make the most immediate impact? 
and let's invest in that now so we know what good looks like. And then, so there's almost like you're creating this pull strategy internally where it's yeah. like, oh, that's what good looks like. I want that for this segment. Right. right. Okay, great. In order for that to happen, we're going to need this, you know, headcount and this budget across this time mm-hmm. horizon. And also, frankly, like this internal support and from like other cross-functional teams like design or, mm-hmm. or web dev and engineering. It's almost like you've established that credibility, right? That's right. An area that's made great impact that you can sort of use as a platform for, again, going back and asking for more headcount or tackling that next initiative on the list of priorities. Yeah. And the hardest part is that means that some groups just aren't going to get the support that they need. Yeah. Because um, you can't just snap your fingers and have a 10-person marketing team or a 20-person marketing team um, show up tomorrow and have everybody aligned behind different audiences. You know, I wish that was the case. You also can't hire super general athletes, regardless of how smart <laughs> and incredible they are, to be running and blocking and tackling across so many segments of the business. It's not setting them up for success. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not setting marketing up for success it's, it's, you know, in the short or long term. So I think it's like really getting that alignment. And these are questions and conversations that you can have with leadership, I think, before you join a yeah, company. Right. So I think also to be upfront and establish yeah. sort of here's and, the game plan. For leaders, I think that they can have these conversations with potential marketing leaders during the interview process as well. It's like, how do you prioritize? And then if you're a marketing leader, you know, the question I would ask is, if we were to align on, you know, here are the three audiences or three internal groups that are going to get support or investment, you know, right off the bat, will you have my back 100% with the mm-hmm. other, I think, constituents? Mm-hmm. Um, I think so that's really important as well. That's awesome feedback. Well, this has been really fun today. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and share these insights. I'm sure it's helpful to the audience, not only marketers that are listening, but I think there's a broader audience, even like CEOs who, like you said, are going to be hiring this marketing leader or managing this marketing leader. And just everything you've had to say will probably be very, very helpful on the way. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And thanks for joining today on the Build Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this very special episode of Build. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And please give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Outside of podcasts, we produce content daily on our blog. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenViewVenture and subscribe to our newsletter that's sent out to over 100,000 SaaS operators every Saturday morning by going to openviewpartners.com forward slash newsletter. See you in January.